following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, it's Pastor Alan Gilman here again with the message for January the 17th, 2021. These certainly are very difficult and confusing days. And I'm sure those of you that are listening, you're relating to the current situation in different ways. But this is always true, but it's even more true now. We, like never before, we need God's wisdom. Well, the good news is that God says to us through the letter of James, chapter 1, verse 5, we read, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And this is such a wonderful, wonderful promise that we have access to the creator of the universe who loves us and has showed his love to us in so many great ways. Uh, and the, the greatest way, of course, is by his sending his son into the world to die for our sins and to rise from the dead so that we could be forgiven our sins, be made right with him, and have the bounty of heaven's resources at our disposal. And part of that bounty is this guarantee that if we ask God for wisdom, and by the way, wisdom is life skill. It's the ability to to know not only know what to do, but to do it in a way that's effective in life. That's wisdom. And God has promised to give us wisdom if we ask him for it. And so to help us in understanding how to access God's wisdom, we're going to look at a passage in the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, and we're going to go all the way through the chapter and end at the first verse of the next chapter, chapter 6. And uh, then I'll pray, and then we'll look at, at this. So here we go. Let's read Exodus chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. 
The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it tells us that you give to us wisdom. You give it to us freely. Lord, help us through this story to understand how this really works. Show us, Lord, how we are to seek you. Help us, Lord, to hear you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so let's give a little background to this passage first. Uh, Many of you are familiar with uh, Israel being in bondage as slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh. Uh, That happened after many years of living in Egypt. They had gone there uh, as a clan of about 70 people when Jacob was still alive and his 12 sons Uh, One of his sons had been sold into slavery by his brothers. That's a whole other story. You can read about that in the the later chapters of Genesis. Uh, But Joseph was was there, and eventually, after many years, he became promoted to be second in command in Egypt. And as he oversaw uh, the distribution of food, after years of plenty, and then there were these seven years of famine. And it was during the years of famine that the people of Israel eventually, the the clan of 70 of them migrated and settled in Egypt, being taken care of by Joseph. Well, after many years, uh, a new king of Egypt, a new pharaoh arose who didn't have any regard for the people of Israel. And he was concerned that the people were going to rise up or join with Egypt's enemies. And so he decided to oppress them and made them slaves. Uh, The people cried out to God and eventually after it, the story is a little complicated you should read it if you're not familiar with it uh, eventually moses later on in his life uh, is called by god along with his brother aaron to go and tell pharaoh to let the people of israel go uh, first moses didn't want to do it and and, and god in basically conscripted him to do so uh, very often we simply picture Moses doing this, but when you read the story, what the way it was set up by God is, at least in the early stages of his communicating with Pharaoh, 
God would speak to Moses, Moses would speak to his brother Aaron, and Aaron would actually be the one to deliver the message. So that's why you see the two of them, Moses and Aaron, in this story. And so at first, Moses and Aaron go to the elders of Israel after God had given the his instructions to Moses, and they get a a good response from the elders of the people of Israel, that, and they were rejoicing that God was looking kindly upon them and was preparing to deliver them. And so now we get to the part where Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh himself, and this is where it doesn't go too well. So at first, they request a three-day journey into the wilderness, and often you, you don't when you see movies about the the exodus and all the rest, you don't normally get these details. God had planned to completely to completely deliver the people from bondage in Egypt and bring them to the promised land. But at first, the request was simply to go on a three day journey into the wilderness to hold a feast unto the Lord. Pharaoh's refusal to grant this, ends up leading to their complete uh, deliverance from Egypt. But at first was this more reasonable request. But Pharaoh completely rejected that. He said he had no regard for uh, for this God that they were representing. And instead of granting them leave, he accuses them of, in, in this translation, the English Standard Version that I'm using, the word is he, he accuses them of being idle. And and probably the best word would be lazy. He accuses them of being feeble, uh, neglectful of their of their of their work, and and this whole idea that this is really why you want to do this because they're lazy. Of course, it's all nonsense. Of course, but still, it's a rather harsh accusation for people who have been literally uh, been slaves in building cities for Pharaoh. And so what Pharaoh does instead of letting the people go, he makes their work even more difficult. He calls the supervisors, the, the, the supervisors of the labor, and he tells them to no longer provide the straw, which was an ingredient in the brick making. He was no lo- they were no longer to provide this. Instead, the people making the bricks had to go out and find the straw, gather it, and, and yet they still had to produce the exact same numbers of bricks as before. And so Pharaoh makes a, a very, very difficult job next to impossible and creates this awful situation for them. It was already terrible, makes it far worse. And the supervisors, the foremen in particular, who are probably fellow Israelites supervising the work, end up being beaten over not being able to reach the the same quota as before. And they appeal to Pharaoh to to no avail. And and when they appeal to him, that accusation of you're only lazy, you're lazy, comes at them again. And it's, as I said, it's a horrible, terrible situation. And so uh, we see in verse 20 of chapter 5, Moses and Aaron are waiting to for the foreman after they appeal to Pharaoh. And this is what we read. The Lord, uh, this, so the foremen say this to Moses and Aaron. The Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. And so here's a situation where they were already greatly suffering. Moses comes to help, sent by God with his brother Aaron. They come to help. They're doing God's will. 
But instead, things get worse, and then the people blame Moses and Aaron for this even worse situation. So now what? what's Moses going to do? We'll go back, read verses 22 and 23. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. So basically, Moses gives God a piece of his mind. And so I want to ask the question, what do you think of this kind of prayer? Moses is here actually accusing God for making things worse. You haven't done anything. It's terrible. You've done nothing since I've I've come here. Remember, Moses didn't actually want to have this job in the first place. He was pushed by God to do it. Now, I I would imagine once he starts doing it, that initial positive reaction from the elders of Israel would have been very encouraging. You know, you don't want to do a job. You're doing it anyway. It's going well. There's there's even miracles to perform. And he does these signs for the elders of Israel. And they're impressed. They believe God has actually sent Moses. Well, so far, so good. Didn't want to do this, but at least it's going well. And then not only is it not working, this is not just, oh, it didn't work. It's not just Pharaoh said no, and things are just as bad as they were before. Now, what Moses was seeking to do in God's name made things worse. And so then Moses blames God for it all. You got me into this. It's worse than before. Um, so what do you think about this kind of prayer as, as Moses gives God a piece of his mind? Now you might think, well, it's Moses. It's the great Moses. Yeah, but Moses hadn't become the Moses that we really know yet. Um It's this sort of thing that actually makes Moses the man of God that he was called to be. We'll see that more as we go along. So what do you think about this sort of prayer? Is this the kind of prayer that you would pray to God? When God is, Moses is actually asking God the big question. Why? Why God? Why God? Why have you done evil to this people? A lot of people have difficulty with the why question. We're taught, yours is not to reason why. That's from the famous poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade. When it comes to God, we're simply supposed to obey him. Do as you're told. We don't know why, why bad things happen. What's the use of asking why? When we ask why, we're made to feel, and you might feel, that you're being disloyal questioning God like this. You might think of it as a lack of faith. Well, it might actually be a lack of faith. Maybe Moses was really struggling. And so that's why he prayed this kind of prayer. You know, the the why question isn't an actual question, right? Like when a little, so often, like when I see something happening in my household, like there's something left out that shouldn't be left out or something that was left undone. And, you know, why, why? What's this doing here? Why is this here? I'm not asking why. I'm, I'm saying, I don't like this. I don't like what's going on. This is not the way that it should be. And I'm judging the situation. And the explanation that I want from, from others when I think they're responsible for things going wrong, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking for the reasons. I, what I want them to do is own the situation and fix it. And really, that's what Moses wants. 
You're doing this wrong, God. This is wrong. This is really, really wrong. You're to blame. And of course, the way he's expressing himself doesn't... if I'm going like this because I'm pointing to my notes that I've already referred to on, on my desk over here that you can't see. Uh, you know, he wants God to fix it, but he doesn't actually think that God will or God can because God's already gotten involved. And look what's happened. It's all gone wrong. So it's actually quite a challenge. You know, a child asks, you know, why did my dog die? They're not asking for, you know, now explain to me the reasons behind the dog's death. They're saying, I don't like this. I do not want this to happen. I want it not to be true. But it's a situation that we can't seem to change, which is what Moses is saying to God. I actually don't believe this can get better. We were trying to make it better. It got worse. Why? When we ask why like this, it's a cry of despair. And there's a, there's a, there's a line in, in Anne of Green Gables. If you've never read it, it's such a wonderful book to read. So well written. And one of the characters, the, the, the woman who's looking after the orphan Anne, uh, refers to despair as, as, as a complete um, rejection of God and making despair into a sin. But sometimes... We are despairing. I mean, we shouldn't despair. We should learn not to, but we might be. Moses was despairing and he brought his despair to God. And so now let's look at how God responds to Moses' uncomfortable prayer. Uncomfortable to us, uncomfortable to Moses. But was it uncomfortable to God? Let's see. Verse 1 of chapter 6. It's kind of too bad that the chapter's cut off here because the story is is flowing. This is so key, and this is why we're dealing with it as part of this passage. Chapter 6, verse 1, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of the land. This is like John Paul Jones's famous words, I have only just begun to fight. It's like God saying here, Moses, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm just getting started. As far as God is concerned, this is part of his plan. This is the setup that's going to lead to the great deliverance. But going through it, for us humans going through this process, is very, very difficult. So for God, this is just the beginning of the solution. So Moses, I'm sorry, God, God is not put off by Moses' prayer. He responds to it. He doesn't respond to it in any way that Moses expected. He didn't answer the question, why? He responds with, now here's what we're going to do about this. God's not ignoring the situation. God is responding to the situation. And God is responding to Moses, to a a prayer that might make us uncomfortable. God responds to it. But why does he respond to it? Because Moses asked. Could you imagine? Moses went, forget this. I knew this was a bad idea. I'm out of here. Oh, you can't picture Moses doing that. Well, we can't picture Moses doing that because that's not what he did. But we can picture ourselves doing it. I can picture myself. The key here 
is that Moses went to God. Verse 22, then Moses turned to the Lord and said, this is the key. It's not so much what he said, but that he went to God instead of giving up and running away. And some of the ways we run away is some of us just shut down. We'll like, we, God will call us to something and it could be simply needing to, to apologize to somebody. It might be, I don't know what it is. It could be little, it could be big. But as soon as it doesn't go well, some of us just shut down. And we ignore it. Pretend it's not there. Get distracted by other things. Other times we could maybe be more dramatic about it and run away from a situation. Or get angry and thrash out at people. Because when we are in situations that are difficult, and it may not be as difficult as Moses' situation, but whatever that difficulty is, if we don't learn to handle these things in the way that God's calling us to handle them, we will deal with them in some way. We will take these things out on other people. Or we will take it out on ourselves. Headaches and ulcers and other physical ailments will be will begin to take us over because we are not managing the problems in our lives properly. And what Moses did is just a such a wonderful example because while he was despairing, he took his despair to God. And while we may not like how he says what he says, or we may not like what he says, the fact that he took what he said to God put him in a place where God could respond to him. God doesn't want to be running after us. He wants us to be running after him and to come to him with whatever it is that's troubling us. Moses was honest with God. He told, like he didn't understand what was going on because there was a bigger picture unfolding here that he didn't understand. That's true, but he was willing to express his understanding of the situation and bring that to God. And by doing that, God was able to correct him and direct him. I wonder how many whys God has not answered because we have not asked them. We, some, some of us might think, yeah, but I, I'm, 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 I'm verbal. I'm open with the things that I struggle with. But have you brought them to God? Or have you just talked it up among other people? And especially during this COVID time, between that and and, and the, the political situation in the United States, is some of the that's that's all we talk about for, for many of us. And we we have we have opinions, we have criticisms, we have frustrations, and we vent them. Some of us don't vent it at all. We think we're being good, godly people because we keep it all to ourselves. But are we really bringing it to God, or we just stuff it in? And it might be something else. You might be going through something that's that's really crucial in your life, really painful in your life. And 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 you're confusing this ancient philosophy of stoicism. That's that stiff upper lip where you know self-control is important, but we it, we're, we're stuffing the things that are troubling us instead of bringing them to God. But then there's the verbal ones, but we're just blabbing our mouths out, off to others. And we're not bringing these difficult questions to God. So in order to come to God, we need to be like Moses and expose our hearts to him, to tell him like it is. He, God can take it. You know, the people of Israel, when they wander in the wilderness, you know, they, they get delivered from Egypt eventually, the 10 plagues, the Red Sea, they're provided for in the wilderness, but they're having hard times and they get punished for complaining. 
But the problem with their complaining is they weren't complaining to God. They were complaining about Moses. They're complaining to Moses. They were complaining among themselves. But they weren't bringing their complaints to God. God, my children are hungry. We are thirsty. We are dying here. If we would only do that, then God would answer us just, and they would, God would have answered them just like he answered Moses. And other times in the story, when Moses is suffering under the complaining of the people as well, suffering along with them, but he brings his concerns to God over and over and over again. And that's what made Moses the great man of God that he was, is that most of the time he brought his burdens to the Lord, he brought his complaints to the Lord. So what I want to do is go back to the James passage. Because there's actually more to this promise that God would freely give wisdom than simply what's stated in that verse. Let's read it again. So I'm reading now verse 5 through verse 8 of James chapter 1. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But, there's a but here, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Okay, so there's a condition here. It's not simply ask God for wisdom, get wisdom. It's ask God for wisdom in faith, without doubting. Oh, so what's that? Okay, God, I'm asking you for wisdom. I believe you will give it to me. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Is that what it is? Did Moses ask in faith? He was in despair. He was angry. He was accusing God. How's that faith? Well, it's faith in that he was truly coming to God. I don't think he was expecting an answer. He got one. And the so the dynamic that was at work with Moses, and maybe Moses wasn't fully aware of it, when God responded to his his why God prayer of desperation, Moses was willing to do what God told him to do. And that's what faith is here. And that's what not doubting is. It has to do with loyalty to God. And so what James writes here is that when you're in a situation where you need wisdom, you are guaranteed by God to receive wisdom from him under the condition that you're going to do what he tells you to do. Because if you're not, don't count on getting wisdom. Whenever I, I think about this from James, I'm reminded of a experience I had when I was a instructor in a computer lab situation years ago in the Vancouver area. And uh, it was, it was a, a, I worked in this large room with all these students. They were learning at their own pace. And, uh, and an aspect of this, of this course, of, of the school actually, is it was a school for adults to help them uh, get, get jobs. And so we're training them in computer skills in order to make them more employable. And so part of the course, too, was training on how to make resumes. And one of the features of this school, one of the benefits, I should say, is that when you graduated from your program, you were able to come back and, and redo your resume, get it reprinted. And the instructors were avail available to graduates 
uh, for further help with the resumes. And so uh, a former student comes in and um, I was near this the, our nicer printer and uh, they asked me if I would print their resume for them, which I did. And so as I was handing it back to them, they asked me what I thought of the resume. And so I, I, looked, I looked at it and looked it over and it was a beautiful resume. But I also saw what kind of job that they were, they were applying for. And it was, uh, it was some sort of office administration type job. But the resume was really, really pretty. And so I said to them, this is, this is really, really pretty, but it's actually more appropriate for some sort of creative job as opposed to a more a, an office administrative, administrative job. So I had the paper and I was explaining this to them and they grabbed it from me and they said, well, that's what you think. Well, yeah, that's what I think because you asked me and it's part of my job to advise you especially since you asked me well that's what you think well that's like how a lot of us pray we come to god for help he tells us well that's what you think because we don't like the answer if we are going to come to god with questions we need to be ready it's god right to do what he says and in fact if we're not willing to do what he says he's not going to answer us so there's two things going on here we need to be people who come to god with the hardest issues those difficult issues in our lives we need to be willing to be honest with him about the things that we're struggling with we need to ask god the hard questions and we could bring our complaints to him we could bring our difficulty we need to bring our difficulties to him especially in this time it's a very oppressive time and if that's bothering you and you're frustrated and you're scared you know, there are people that are upset with how the government or uh, the government is handling this they're upset by how people are handling this they're frustrated about all sorts of things Bring it to God. Bring it to him. Be honest with him and lay it out before him. Give God a piece of your mind, but be prepared to do what God tells you to do in response. He will give you his wisdom if you are willing to receive it and do what he tells you to do. And like Moses' situation, his answer might be very surprising but it's going to be good. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you give wisdom freely to those who ask. Make us people who bring our most difficult concerns to you. Help us, Lord, to be in touch enough with what's going on in our lives to come to you with our most difficult questions, our most difficult problems, the things that are really bothering us and help us to come to you with everything. But also, Lord, make us people who are willing to not only receive your answers, but to do what you tell us to do. Lord, you know many of us are afraid. We're afraid because of what's going on in the world today we're afraid at what you might tell us to do forgive us for that you are our loving heavenly father 
Please, Lord, help us to hear you at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. As usual, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at, at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. Feel free to share this video with other people that you might think need to hear it, but start with yourself, of course. And I hope to see you again soon. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.